the Lord. Amen. It's just a wonderful thing to be present in the body. Amen. God knows when you're here. He looks for you. Um, Brother Kellerman told a story um, that that just I always think about it because I've heard I heard the story someplace else before. And um, um, the, the story goes that there, 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 there was a time where people will show up to church and there weren't any lights. And so when they showed up to church, the only way the church will be lit would be when you bring your light. So if you bring your um, your lamp, then light will be in the church. And so the more people that would come to church, the more light will be in the church. The less people that come to church, the less light will be in the church. And then you know how you all like to have your, your favorite seats. Well, they knew when you weren't around because your light wasn't there. That's literal, that, that's figuratively or literally. But in Christ, you don't realize it, that when God placed you in the body, when you're absent, when the body is present, you're missed. You're missed. It's, it doesn't, it, we don't take it lightly. I know I don't take it lightly. I was just texting with someone that um, part of this church, but I haven't seen her in a while. And I, just, I told her the same thing. I said, I don't know if you understand this, but when God places you in this body and you're not here, we can tell. And not because we're trying to be in your business, but when God put his body together, we become accustomed to one another. Don't you know that the, the toe knows when the, the, the little toe is hurting or the, 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 the ankle knows when the little toe is hurting? The body knows when something is not working right. That's literally, right? That's in the physical body. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. If God sets you in the body spiritually and you're absent or something is wrong, we can feel it because we are a part of the body. We're all connected. So sometimes we might say, I'm not connected with you all. Oh, I'm sorry to tell you, we are connected. Whether we came from the same place, we have the same background or whatever, doesn't matter. When God put us together as a body, as, a, as, as an assembly, we're connected and we don't have a choice. Amen. And we don't need to fear that because guess what? You were born into a family that you had no choice of born and into. Huh? Naturally. You were born into a family you had no choice. And some of us probably have family members. We say, I wish he wasn't my family. I wish she wasn't my family. But you didn't have a choice. You were born into that family. Well, when God puts you in the body of Christ, you don't have a choice. That's your family. And some of them just get on your nerves. And some of them make you feel a certain way. And you got to say, well, God, you got a sense of humor. Because you put me in a body of family that, man, I don't know how you made them my brother or my sister. Because they are weird. You got weird people in all the families. You got crazy people in all the families. Then you got one that's thinking they're the same one, and they don't really realize they're kind of weird too and crazy, right? Somebody always think they're the smartest. Like I've got it together. I'm not the crazy one in the. Oh, you crazy too? Because the other families are telling you they're saying they're elbowing each other. Isn't she crazy? But you think you okay? All of us are crazy. Oh God. And I just always chalk it up to we're not perfect. Jesus said we all have sinned and come short. So that all means that, guess what? We all got a little something with us. Nobody's sane all together. No, no, no. We, we got some crazies in us. Y- yesterday we had um, what we call our Celebrate Recovery meeting. And we're going to launch, um, uh, a, 
I guess the, for lack of a better word, a ministry that's called Celebrate Recovery. We named it One, right? And so we're going to launch that probably sometime in October, but we're doing the training now in preparation to be ready to um, invite people in to promote it. It's going to be a, a ministry to help people that are addicted and not just drugs and alcohol, but whatever addiction someone may have, we're going to work with them and help them to overcome their addiction. We're going to start that. That's separate from church. It's not church. It's, 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 it's a recovery ministry. And we're going to start that up in October. And so we're going through um, the, 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 the teaching and the learning. Um, so we will be equipped to be able to do it. Um, we kid yesterday a little bit and say um, we treat this like HIPAA. As those of you that know about health, um, the, the HIPAA law, you can't discuss any person's um, um, health um, situation with anyone. And so that's kind of how Celebrate Recovery is. Is We're bound by HIPAA, Jesus HIPAA. You can't say one word. I said if anything gets out about anything anyone talk about, you're done. You can't be a part of that ministry because it's just that serious. We're, 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 we're trying to help people um, get free from addiction. And so we had a tremendous meeting because here's how it worked. For those of us, I'll tell you up front, because someone might say to me after church, how do I get to be a part of it? The, 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 the learning process that we're going through right now, we have to become like the people that we're going to be ministering to. So the, all the lesson plans that we will use to reach the people that will come, we're going through that lesson plan now. So we have to share. The first lesson about um, addiction is denial. The first lesson. And so that will be the first thing we teach them when they come in is dealing with denial. Well, yesterday, our group that's, that's preparing went through that lesson of denial, how we have demonstrated denial in our life. And we talked about some intimate, personal stuff that helped us. I mean, I, when I left here, I felt like, man, whew, felt like we counseled each other. My Lord, it was pretty special. And so I look forward to it when we finally launch our addiction recovery ministry that's called one and so we look forward to it amen we will get more as we get further past into we're going to train another class for those that will be interested so we're ready and prepared that when the lord begins to send us people that are trying to overcome their addiction we will have enough people ready to train amen ruth chapter one I am going to jump around in Ruth today, a whole lot of Ruth. Um, I feel more like I'm teaching a Bible study today than I feel like I'm preaching. And so um, bear with me. We're going to really look at some things here. But, but God wanted me to share something with you this morning that's, that, that will help you in your mind and in your thought process. Ruth chapter 1 verse number 8 says, And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and lifted up her voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way. 
for I am too old to have an husband, if I should say I have hope. If I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Question. Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters. For it grieveth me much for your sake that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Put that little note in your mind that we read that because we're going to come back to that. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people. Now look at it now. Her people. It's important. And unto her gods. Important again. Small g. That's clear that they were a people that worshipped false gods and they weren't like the Israelites. Right? So they, her sister-in-law went back to her people and to worship her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. I wonder if sometimes we have too much pride to look at somebody that's serving God and says, whoever you serving, I'm going to serve that God. Because I can tell your life has been changed. Something is different about you, so I'm going to serve the God you serve. I wonder if we have too much pride to say that, but not Ruth. She said, "Mm -mm. your people, my people, your God, my God, where you lodge us, I will lodge. And so for those of you that know the story, you know the story that Naomi had two sons. She was married and her husband died. Then her two sons died. Her sons had married Ruth and Orpah. And both her sons died and her husband died. So now you have these three women that are widows. Husband died. And so the one um, daughter-in-law was able to be coaxed to go back to her family and to her country and to worship her God. But Ruth decided, my mother-in-law, you're still my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law, I'm not leaving you. And she stuck through with her. And so that's where we picked up when we started reading. So we'll talk today a little bit about this topic. Your status is not final. Your status is not final. Mm, I feel in the spirit of the living God that God wants to talk to our heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for helping us. Lord, we are already encouraged and inspired 
for, for what you will do in our heart, for what you will do in our mind. Now, Lord, we humble ourselves under your power, under your authority, and we give ourselves to you. We will worship you and praise you. We thank you for all that you've done thus far. But God, we are excited and we look forward and we have a great expectation to what you will do in us before we leave this place, Lord God. Our faith is increased and we look to you, almighty God, to do what only you can do. We pray in Jesus' name that everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Your status is not final. Why don't you tell your neighbor that? Your status is not final. Tell your other neighbor, your status is not final. Tell somebody behind you, your status is not. Why am I telling you that? Because we have to believe that today. We, we, it can't just be something we're saying. We have to believe that today. Yesterday, when we went through our Celebrate Recovery meeting, let me tell you, I felt those people that's a part of the, uh, the, 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 the group, they, they bought into this because I talked about it so much. They bought into it. And if I can get this, this, the 95% of this congregation to buy into this, we will be on the right track, which is what, 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 we've, what we talked about a little bit yesterday is there is not one individual charisma that's walking this earth that is not battling some sinful, some failure, some immoral thing. All of us in this world is battling something. And guess what? The best news is to know what you're up against and what you're battling is important. Some of us may think that, oh, I don't have nothing. I feel sorry for you if you think you don't have nothing you're battling. But what we, what we do understand is everyone has something in their life that's not pleasing unto God that they do. About six amens. But everyone has something in their life that they are dealing with, that they know God is not pleased about it, and they know they want to overcome it. But uh, it just oftentimes get the best of you. They oftentimes just, 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 just show up, and here you go again, and you're battling more than you uh, want to battle with this thing, and sometimes you fall prey to it. But every person got something in their life that they're battling with that God is not pleased with. The moment you think you don't, I feel sorry for you. How can you say that, preacher? Because all have sinned. There, he didn't say 90% have sinned. He didn't say 99% of you sin. He said all have sinned. So we all have something still. Because guess what? We're striving for perfection. The Bible says we're striving. So, so it means that if we're not perfect, it means we're still sinning. And how addiction usually come into people's life is because they don't have an outlet for what they're dealing with. And so they form some sort of habit of some kind of temporary satisfaction to get them through what they're dealing with. We all deal with our wrong and our failure in a different way. As Christians, when we sin, hopefully we go straight to the Lord and cry out and ask for forgiveness. But for non-Christians, when they mess up, they normally have a way of how they deal with it. Some is drinking. Some have addiction. Some have smoking habits. Some have eating. We just have different ways of how we deal with our issue, but we all have issues, and all, all of us need Jesus to help us deal with the issues. Your status is not final, but 
recognize your status. We have become a status-driven society. We constantly promote our status for all to know because our status says how we are doing. I do understand that sometimes we promote our status for business and financial reasons. Got it. But oftentimes, we're promoting our status because it makes us feel good. I have seen where we list a status of ourself that is not really true. It may be a status you desire to achieve, but nonetheless, it's not true. We must be careful not to allow societal pressure to get to us that we feel the need to prove our status in life. I'm talking to you. Don't get quiet on me. We don't have to fake our status. There are some who says, fake it till you make it. With God, no need to fake it till we make it because God knows everything. It makes no sense for me to pretend when I'm serving God. If you're going to serve God for real, you might as well be transparent and call it like it is. Because with God, he knows everything. I don't have to pretend. I can't tell you how the Bible says the truth shall make you free. In many ways, the truth makes you free. But one of the ways the truth makes you free is when you just speak truth about who you are. And once you have got to a place where you can comfortably communicate who you are with your flaws, with your failures, with everything that's in your life, when you become comfortable communicating that, then you have become free. But if you are having a hard time communicating who you are as an individual, your status, because you are wanting to make people think of you in a way you want them to, forget it. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you this. We have to just know this for sure. You can't hide your status and who you are. We can tell ourselves that. Let me give you, you know I'm a sports person and I love sports. And here's a big one for us that knows sports. Here's a basketball player. Some of you might know him. His name is Carmelo Anthony. And... Carmella Anthony always wanted to be viewed a certain way. And he played in the NBA, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 years. Probably 15 years. But his game was always the same. He just played a certain way. And he wanted to be viewed differently than the way he played. But they had 15 years of data to say, but this is the way you've always played. So what do you want us to do, Carmelo? Believe that you are this kind of player when we're looking at the 15 years of you playing in the NBA, and this is what we see. So so it is with us that we've been living our life for however long we've been living. We can't hide who we are. It is what, what it is, and we can communicate to people whatever way we want to communicate, 
but they will know enough to look and say, I've known you for 15 years. I've known you for 10 years, for 5 years, for 25 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, and this is what I know. So we might as well become comfortable with who we are and don't even worry about what anybody may want to think about us and our status. Because the bottom line is, if we keep living this life, uh, this life will write who we are. When we leave here, if we leave here before Jesus comes back, this life that we live will say who we are, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can't do anything to manipulate people's mind to think something different about us because the, the bottom line is you can't live on this earth for however long and begin to let people believe something different than who you are. I know I heard somebody say, no, I know some people. Not true. They might fool a couple of people, but the people that they've been around, all they know them. The people that they're around all the time know them. So, so even if you think they fooling a couple of people, the people that they're around all the time knows them. But the good news I have to tell you this morning is your status is not final. So that's why I can become comfortable with my status. Because my status is not final. Listen to me. Status is big right now. It's big on social media. Here's another big place. It's big with immigration. We're trying to work with status because we know that immigration situation is a challenge right now. So depending on your status will also make you decide, well, you know, what am I doing here? Because, because we know how th- times are right now with status. I remember for some of you that are not, uh, weren't born in this country, you could have came to this country and you was a, you know, a permanent resident, you know, whatever it was, uh, or you became a citizen. Whatever it is, we all have statuses. And so we have to be careful of what our status is. We're worried about our status and all these things. We also have the situation where your status is good right now. Whether your status is good right now or it's not so good right now, your status is not final. You ought to thank God that, Lord, I don't feel good about what my status is right now. Lord, I don't feel like things are moving along and I'm concerned. Oh, God, I need your help because I'm not comfortable with my status. I'm not happy about my status. But somebody here, God has sent me here today to tell you your status is not final. And whatsoever your status is right now, it will not remain what it is because God is able and God God can do exceeding and abundant. Your status is not final. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. God is on the throne. We don't need to fake our status. We don't need to pretend that something else is going on in our life that's not going on. The first thing that anyone addicted to anything have to get past is denial. These addiction uh, courses that we will teach, it's straight biblical. And so what do you mean by that, preacher? It means that just like us, if we deny that we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. If we deny that we have no sins, guess what? We cannot be saved. Yes. So that that would be denial. So we deny 
we don't have any sin in our life, if we deny that 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 um, God is not who He says He is, anything we deny concerning the things of God, it's only going to hurt us. And so, we don't need to deny anything. We need to just be upfront with it and say, God, here I am. Remember, we read the scripture in the Bible that says two men went to prayer, a publican and a sinner. Publican went to pray, and he says, Lord, I tithe. Lord, I pray every day. And he's just running it all down about what he did. And then the Bible says, the sinner says, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And the Bible says the sinner went home in a right way as opposed to the publican. Because when we stand before God, we're supposed to be intelligent enough to know, comparing to you, God, and I'm supposed to be trying to be like you, comparing to you, Lord, I am nothing. I am a sinner, and I have no hope except for you. And so, Lord, will you be merciful to me, a sinner, a wretch undone? If we have enough sense, we will say that when we stand in the presence of God. But for us to stand in the presence of God and say, but God, I go to church every Sunday. I give my tithes, and God is like, are you kidding me? The rich young ruler learned that. God, I I do all those things from my youth. He says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Oh, Lord, you ask a hard thing. When we talk about status, we're talking about one's position, one's state or condition of affairs. The very first status that was mentioned of Ruth in the text we read is that Ruth was a wife. Now, we know she wasn't born a wife, but the very first mention of Ruth, it says she was the wife of, you ready? Marlon. She was the wife of Marlon. But Marlon died. And so now we see here, first mention, wife. Mm -hmm. The scripture says she was a wonderful wife for 10 years. 10 years she was a good wife. The scripture points that out. And we learn that by how she treats her mother-in-law. Good wife. Don't have to worry about her. Her husband died. And it changed her status. Her status was wife. Then her husband died. And now she became widow or single, whichever way you want to take it. So her status changed. Let me say this to you. Sometimes our status can change without our doing. This is why we just have to be so humble before God, because sometimes your status can change and it had nothing to do with you. It wasn't because you did something wrong. It wasn't because you you reaping something bad. It's just life and your status changed. But somebody, God has sent me here today to tell you because your status changed and had nothing to do with what you did. It doesn't mean that's where you're going to always be. It doesn't mean that's always going to be your status because your status right now is not final because God is on the throne. Uh huh. Ruth's husband died without them having 
any children. And now she no longer has a companion, a lover, a provider, a protector, a leader. But her status was not final. Can you imagine? Good husband, you good wife, probably working on having kids, things going good. And all of a sudden, husband died. Can you imagine? That had to be devastating. And then you didn't even have a father-in-law. And back then, you got to figure the women did not literally work. They, they stayed home and just took care of the home, and the husband went and earned a living. And so now you've got these women that have no man to go out and earn a living and, and, and just help to make sure things are good. Status changed, and it wasn't her fault. Your status can change, and it won't be your fault. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1 says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Eli Melich, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Eliamelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then, I'll back up a little bit. I like that. You know how we have, um, praise the Lord. That's what you just read right there. We like to say, praise the Lord. And then somebody says, praise the Lord back. We're going to learn one day. So here's what they say. And so Boaz rolled upon them and says, The Lord be with you. And they turn around and says, the Lord bless thee. One of our traditions we need to get right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Bad tradition. If I say praise the Lord, you're supposed to say he alone is worthy. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody saying praise the Lord and nobody praising the Lord. But anyway, let me get back to this. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers. Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. The next status we observe of Ruth is that she got a job. When we first read of, 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 of Ruth, she was a wife. She had a husband. She didn't have any kids, but she had a she was a husband. She was a wife with a husband. And now she is single, widow, and she gotta go get a job. Life is not going well, is it? A kingsman. Understand what is a kingsman. A kingsman is a male relative. 
a man sharing the same racial, cultural, or national background as another. In the Old Testament, the word kingsman is most often used as a translation of a Hebrew word that means one who has the right to redeem. So a kingsman is one who has the right to redeem. Since an Israelite could sell himself, his family, or his land in cases of poverty, the kingsman redeemer was provided to protect the clan. Hmm. This person, a near relative, had the first option by law to buy any land being sold, thus allowing it to be kept within the clan. What does that mean, preacher? It means I'm broke, I'm busted and disgusting, had no money, I can't use my jerk chicken because nobody want to buy jerk chicken, and so now we're broke, we have no money. I can go to someone and say, hey, I want to sell my family, me and my family to you, we'll work for you and you take care of us. But you can only do that to someone that would be a kingsman, only a kingsman, someone that was some way related to you culturally, oh, you can only do that with them because the whole thing was if people begin to die off, you wouldn't lose your family and your land to some stranger. So a kingsman is one that, that had some kind of cultural family connection that can buy you, your family, your land. That way it stays within the clan. It don't go to another clan. So Boaz was, was known as what they call a kingsman. Ruth chapter 3 verse 2 says, And now is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou was? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. So when Boaz came on the scene, remember Ruth, Ruth's job was to go work in Boaz's field. That was her job. She went in Boaz's field and, and, and reaped some stuff there so they can have food. And so she was in Boaz's field. Of course, it wasn't by accident because she, she went to Boaz's field knowing Boaz was near was a near kingsman. He wasn't the, the very kingsman. He was near kingsman. So there was a kingsman that was first in line and Boaz was the next kingsman. So if the kingsman that was in line decide, I don't want to take over the family, I don't want to take over the land, then Boaz would be in line to take it over. And so it wasn't by accident that Naomi sent Ruth to go work in the land or work in the, um, on the farm that Boaz owned. And so she's working. She's going to work every day, right? And so Boaz see her. And now Boaz is like, who is that? Mm. And so she's doing her thing. And so Naomi says, listen, Boaz is a kingsman. Here's what I want for you to do. I want you to propose to Boaz. You get this. Verse number four. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt make the place where he shall lie, shall mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what. Thou shalt do. 
when she removed the covers off his feet, that was her proposal. That was, let me say it this way, that was her way to tell Boaz, I'm interested in you. Huh? I'll tell you some stuff back in the day. Remove the covers off his feet. So when he real, you'll see what happens when he realizes it anyhow. All right. Verse five, and she said unto and and she said unto her all. Now, Naomi is telling Ruth all of this. Here is where we fall short. Verse five, and she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. That's where we messed up at. God wants to do stuff in our life, and we get the instruction, and we say, all of that? I ain't got time for all of that. But this daughter-in-law says, Mom, I hear you. Everything you told me, that's what I'm going to do. Verse 6, and she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Verse 7, and when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. <laughs> Y'all thinking what I'm thinking? She didn't try to push up on him. She wasn't trying to get more than just laying down, hoping that he will propose to her. She didn't, she didn't try to do nothing extra. <laughs> no. She did what her mother-in-law told her. Just uncovered the dude's feet. Don't, don't do nothing else. She was smelling good. She had on good perfume. So she uncovered his feet. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown or shewed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. You caught that? So what Boaz is saying is, I'm a little up in age, and instead of you going to find one of these young jitterbugs, instead of you went to go find one of these young boys that, you know, they young and they can do their thing, guess what? You didn't do that. You came and sought out a real man, a man that understands life, a man that's got some possession, a man that can help you out, not no young boy. That's what Boaz said. I'm just translating Boaz for you. Boaz said, uh-huh. So you skipped over those young boys. You came and saw me. Yeah, because he said young boys ain't got nothing to offer. Young boys looking to get something from you. Mm -hmm. What they call them? Cougars? Young boys want to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. They think all they got to do is just make you feel good and you take care of them. And some cougars like that. They say they don't want no old man either. They want them a young boy that can take care of them. Yeah, that's how I go these days. But that's not how it went back then. Ruth didn't do that. Boaz didn't do that. And they were doing things on the up and up. Verse 11 says, And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a 
virtuous woman. So she removed the covers. He said, okay, you want to marry me? He says, I'm going to marry you because you are a virtuous woman. What he's saying is, you didn't come with your fast self. <laughs> you didn't come with your fast self with your stuff looking all raunchy to get my attention because I'm an old dude. You came as a virtuous woman and you handle yourself like a lady. And so because of that, I am going to marry you. Man. Ruth chapter 4 verse 5 says, Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? Thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. This was Boaz talking to the kingsman that was supposed to be the one to buy the land and marry Ruth and take Naomi. But that kingsman said he couldn't do it. Verse 6 says, And the kingsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So that's just him saying, Boaz, you got to do it. I can't do it. So now Boaz had the right to marry Ruth, take the possession of um, um, Naomi's husband, stuff and make it his and keep it within the family within the clan i'm going somewhere i'm almost done Ruth chapter 8 chapter 4 now we jump down to verse 8 therefore the kingsman said unto boaz buy it for thee so he drew off his shoe and boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people ye are witnesses this day that i have bought all that was eliah melech and all that was Chilon and Marlon of the hand of Naomi. So the proof was he took his shoe off. See? In front of the people. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Marlon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among the brethren and from the gates of his place, ye are witnesses this day. Ruth's status went from married, husband, to widow, no children, working in the field. And now her status became married again. I am here to tell you your status is not final. Your status is not final. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is in, in your life that you're not pleased with, God want me to tell you this morning, it is not final. You don't have to succumb to that. You don't have to bow to that. You don't have to surrender to that because your status will not continue to be what it is today. Look at Ruth's status, how it changed. Verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto
unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare the son. When she was with her first love, she needed a son. No son. God has a way of changing our status when we think that there is nothing more that could be done. When we think that there's no way this situation can ever change. Can I tell somebody this today? If you trust God, you can't give up in any situation. You can be in a marriage that's struggling. You can be in a situation with family that just seem to never get right. It could be children's situation. It could be health situation. It could be financial situation, but I know Jesus and what he's capable of. And as long as I know Jesus and I'm in my right mind, I'm never giving up on anything. I don't care what the devil said, because sometimes the devil will tell you, you might as well just leave that alone. You might as well just walk away. You might as well don't try to get that right. You might as well just leave that and just say, forget it. But I'm here to tell you because I know. Jesus, and I know how he can turn things around, and I know how he can change statuses. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what nobody says. I'm only trusting Jesus to change my status, and I don't care if you think I'm crazy for believing what I'm believing. I don't think if I don't care if you think I'm crazy for trusting God the way I'm trusting him. My status will not be final. That situation I'm in it will not be final the way my life is going right now it will not be final because I serve Jesus and he is the all powerful God, he is the almighty God, he is the never changing God, he is the same God from Moses from Abraham and he's the same God today what he did then he can do now and I'm not worried I'm going to trust him I'm going to live for him I don't care what you think. I don't care what anybody says. I'm trusting Jesus for my status to change. I'm not trusting my mother. I'm not trusting my brother. I'm not trusting my church. I'm trusting Jesus to change my status. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody thank him for status change. Somebody thank him for your turnaround. Somebody thank him because God is up to something. He's working it out. He's moving. He's doing something. I am convinced God is doing something. You know how I'm convinced? Because the natural is always telling us something about the spiritual. And tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes, they're happening right now. And something tells me God is up to something. And the world and nature and people, oh, they got to move out of his way. They can't handle his power. They can't handle his his glory. They can't handle him. And God is up to something. He's moving. He's moving. He's up to something. Somebody hits your time. It is your time because God is up to something. I think God is about to change 
somebody in here. God is about to change. Oh, no, more than somebody in here. There's a whole lot of people in here. God is getting ready to change your status. God is getting ready to do something. And it's nothing the devil can do. It's nothing Mother Nature can do. It's nothing your neighbor can do. Because God is getting ready to change your status. Nobody can stop what God is getting ready to do because you kept trusting in him. Oh, somebody, you kept trusting. There were times where you just felt like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to trust you anymore. There were times where you felt like, I don't know. Oh, God, I've been trusting, but nothing is happening. I'm weary. You even found yourself straying away and doing your own thing. But you had deep down in your heart, you said, I trust him still. I may not be living the way I need to live. I may not be pleasing him the way I need to please him. But deep down in my heart, there is the Spirit of God. Deep down in my soul, there is the Word of God. And even though I strayed, and even though I backed up, and even though I started doubting, I still held on a little bit. I still kept trusting because I know God is able. I know God can do it. I know he's my hope. I know he can do it. I know he can do it. It looked like it sometimes. It didn't look like it sometimes. But I've heard the preaching of the word too many times. I've read his word too many times. I've prayed too many times. I've had experiences with God too many times to doubt that he will just step in and begin to move things around and change my status. God help us. Your status is not final. Ruth became a wife and a mother. Can I tell you this? Man, for years I prayed this prayer. For years I prayed this prayer. I said, God, let my latter years be greater than my former years. I prayed that prayer for years and I'm still praying it. God, I thank you for what you've used me to do in, in, in all my life since I've been serving you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for using me. But God, I still want my latter years to be greater than my former years. I want to do more for you in my latter years than I do in my former years. I want to know you in a more intimate way in my latter years than I I did my former years, and Ruth is my proof. Ruth is my help because when I look at Ruth's life, her latter years was greater than her former years. Her latter years was more productive than her former years. Verse 14 says, The woman said unto Naomi, All of the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which had not left thee in this day without a kinsman, that this name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of the life and the nourisher of thine old age. For the daughter-in-law which loveth thee, listen to this, the daughter-in-law which loveth thee is better to thee than seven sons. It ain't because 
she was just that good. It's because of how she trusted God. Uh, she was better to Ruth than seven sons could ever be. Because why? Because she was better to Naomi because Ruth trusted God. Verse 16 says, And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Verse 17. Somebody, God is getting ready to change your status. And you won't have to fake the status no more. You won't have to pretend the status anymore. You won't have to say anything. The status will speak for itself. You, you are about to walk about and people are just going to know. You're just going to step out and people are going to know. Why? Because when God said it so, nobody can change it. When God set your status, nobody can do anything about it. And God is getting ready to change somebody's status uh, like you've never seen. Uh, verse 17 says, uh, and the woman... Her neighbors gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. Oh, my God, help us. And they call his name. Oh, that's just the beginning. Obed is what they call his name. And he is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. Somebody, you got to understand this. We're talking about a Moabitess girl who served false God, who lived in Moab, that had nothing going for her. Then she married a godly man, and the godly man died. And when he died, she had to go labor in the field and work and get her fingernails dirty and mess up everything. Then she found this kingsman, and he was older. He was not young, and he married her. And guess what? He gave her a son, and now she she got a husband and a son, but God didn't stop there. God said, girl, don't you know who I am? I'm the topper. There is nobody like me. And you thought I was just going to give you a husband. I was just going to give you a son, but I'm going to give you a grandson that's known as the greatest king that ever lived, that ever walked the earth, and he will be the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Somebody need to give God some praise. God is not through with you. God is not done with you. God is just getting ready to bless you. God is just getting ready to take you where you need to go. He is a topper. You think in your mind, God, if you can just only do this. God, if you can just only do this. And God smiles and says, that's all you want? Okay. You know what I like about God? It doesn't matter. You can declare the greatest thing or the littlest thing. He's still going to give it to you better than you can ever get it. Oh, God. Let's stand to our feet. Your status is not final. God is able and he's capable. God took this woman of nobody. And all it came down to was her obedience and her love for a woman of God. Not even God himself. She didn't know who God was. She worshipped false gods. But she watched her mother-in-law and says, my God, you're not faithful to your God. I'm going to trust him too. And she didn't trust him when it was good. She trusted in Naomi's God when things didn't look good. 
All the men. She could have said to Naomi, you curse, man. Your husband died and your sons died. I can't mess with you. But she knew this woman was a woman of God. And when Ruth decided, your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. When she made that statement, <laughs> somebody, let me tell you, let me tell you something about your God that you don't realize. As soon as you begin to recognize him for who he is, guess what he got to do? Confirm it. He can't let you begin to say, oh God, you are this and you are that without confirming it. This is why it's so important to praise him. This is why it's so important to worship him because he will confirm what you're saying he is. If you don't do, if you don't, if you don't do anything to tell God you know who he is, then I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're ever going to get that confirmation in your life. Because God wants to confirm his word. God wants to confirm his word. And so, Ruth's decision. When we live our life in accordance to God, purpose for our life, our status is never final. Nobody in here today should leave out of here feel down. Because whatever you're dealing with, oh, it ain't the final, final status. And when people try to make you feel, just, just remember this sermon here today. It says, that ain't my final status. You can say whatever you want. I trust God. The stuff that God can do is beyond our understanding. So why would I ever let anybody, not even myself, in your weariest of time, just cry and say, God, I feel horrible. I feel terrible. I'm upset. And this ain't changing. It's been a long time. But I trust you. But I know you can make a difference. I know you can change this. Even though I'm not seeing anything. And so nothing should be able to stop you from trusting God. Listen to me carefully. Listen to this statement carefully. We must be careful. Not to accept what has been for what they will always be. Or think what is now will always continue. I'll say it again. We must be careful not to accept what has been for what they will always be. Ten years Ruth was married. That seemed like that was going in the right direction. It was trending upwards. She had a great relationship with her husband. Her husband loved her. Trending in the right direction. All of a sudden they died. She could have just been so devastated because she accepted, I had this great marriage. We loved one another. We were working on having children. And I know God was going to bless us. And she could have been devastated for the rest of her life and become paralyzed. Stop doing anything. Stop praying. Stop getting involved because she just can't believe. How can such a good marriage just end like that? That's how she's going to live their life. And I've seen many a times, and I'm not saying something, anything bad about anybody. I'm just trying to make a point so you can be sharp about this. Many of us have suffered devastating things in our lives. And we allow those devastating things to make us just stop trusting God or walk away from God. 
understand. I understand it sometimes. But I'm here to tell you, God said, if you're that individual, your status ain't final. It ain't final. He's still on the throne. He never got off. He never got off the throne. Still on the throne. So all the things that has taken place in our life for a long time that we think, this is never going to change, God. Will this continue to be this way? When is it ever going to change? And you're wondering, God, I need to change. When will it change? I can hear it clear in my head. I can hear it clear in my head. God is saying, hold on. Hold on. God is saying, hold on. Somebody hear me. God is saying, hold on. Don't you make a move. I heard a preacher said one time, as long as you hold on, the devil got to hold off. And so when you don't know what else to do, can't even pray right, just hold on and say, oh God, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I know you're still working. And I know you'll do something in my life. I love Naomi. Naomi didn't fold up tent and says, man, that's it. When she saw the love of her daughter-in-law, she says, daughter-in-law, I love you so much, I'm going to help you out here. And she pointed her in the right direction. We have to refuse to allow the cycle of life that keeps us in, in the same position to keep repeating itself. The cycle of life that keeps on holding us. Just hold on to God. He says, don't let go. He's getting ready to show up in your situation like you've never seen. He's getting ready to work in your situation like you've never seen. He wants you to hold on. Huh. Hold on with all your might. Just hold on. You don't have to do anything. Just hold on. Because your mere fact of holding on says, I trust you, God. Your mere fact of holding on says, I trust you, God. Just coming to church, that's you demonstrating that I'm holding on. You saying, God, I'm just going into the house today because I, I need you. That's just saying I'm holding on. God says, hold on. God says, hold on. You remember the um, Lazarus and the rich man? I think it's um, Luke chapter 16, 19, talk about the rich man. And Lazarus, and how Lazarus was all sick in his body and was begging for food. Lazarus died, the rich man died. Status changed. This is the other thing I want to tell you before we leave here today. Your status is not final until you get to heaven. I'll say it again. Your status is not final until you get to heaven. Because even in death, there's a resurrection. <laughs> oh, God. God says, my children, your status ain't final until you get up here with me. Until you meet me in the air, I am going to be working in your life. Until you become just like me. I'm going to be working in your life. And as long as you're not like me, 
there's still room for status to change because my goal in life is to make you like me. <laughs> so as he's making us like him, status is being changed. Oh. <laughs> this, this is why the devil don't like you. Because his status will never change. <laughs> Listen, he will go to hell, then he will go to lake of fire, but his status is already final. The devil's status is already final. Not yours. Not yours. Your status ain't final. And so here's what I will tell you just for a moment as we get ready to dismiss. Here's what I would like for you to do. Take this moment and get into the presence of God and just love him. Just love him up. Just love him up. All you got to do is just say, God, I thank you. You don't have to ask him for anything right now. Just love him up. God, I love you. I, I, I appreciate you, God. I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord God. As you begin to thank God for his goodness, as you begin to thank God for all that he's been doing, his presence will just come over you because he's got to show up whenever you begin to say what he is. Ah. <laughs> My God. Jesus. Jesus. Somebody hear me today. We serve this wonderful God that is indescribable. I know we talk about agape love and we try our best to, to just explain what agape love is. But I don't think we really understand the love that God has for us and how he conducts his business towards us. I don't think we can even grasp what God is to us. And if we would just take the time out and just say, God, I don't understand it all. I certainly don't know it all. But what I will tell you today is that I really do appreciate you. I really do thank you. I really do want to be in your presence. And Lord, I thank you for your word today. To just let me know that my status is not final. And regardless of what I'm dealing with right now, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of how I feel in my body, my hurt, my pain, my frustration, my past, all of those things, Lord God, guess what? Lord, I know my status is not final and I will not continue to be in the place where I am because you love me too much to leave me where I am am. Your plans and your purpose for my life is far exceeding than what it is today. And so God, I am thankful. Oh God, I can't tell you how much I am appreciative of the word of God, of you allowing me to understand. God, I was at a place where I needed to hear that. I was in a place where oh God, I needed to hear that. I needed your comfort. I needed your touch. I needed to know, Lord God, that my status is not final. Because God, sometimes life and situations and the devil comes in to make me believe that there are no hope. That I will never change. That things will never be better. That things can't improve. 
that my status will not be changed. Oh, but God, today I thank you for telling me and reminding me. Oh, God, let me know that my status is not final. God, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in the earth. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, I honor you. I honor you, oh great God. I honor you, oh great God. For you alone are worthy. Oh, God, you alone are worthy. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Church, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. It's not always comfortable for us, but God knows what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, somebody, God is here today. His presence will heal you. His presence will heal you. His presence will comfort you. His presence, oh God, will strengthen you. And oh, the presence of the Lord is with us today. And oh, the presence of the Lord is here today. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, will you touch the minds? Let me pray for your mind now. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every mind in this place. Let no person in this place, Lord God, have to struggle and wrestle with images and thoughts that will just weary them and weaken them and and, and cause them to stray and to drift. I take authority over every thought of negativity and every thought of failure and every thought of sin. I bind them in the name of Jesus and I cast them in outer darkness. I set you free from all the thoughts, from all the images from your past that's trying to wrestle against you and prevent you from trusting and what God has already said. God, let your people be free in their mind. Let this mind which be in Christ Jesus be in them and operate in them. In the name of Jesus, will you do it, Lord? Will you do it, Lord? Clear mind. Clear mind. Clear mind. Clear mind. Clear mind. In the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, will you begin to give them thoughts of joy and righteousness, thoughts that are pure, thoughts that are of God, thoughts that are glorious. Remind them of the things that you have done in their life. Oh, God, let their mind be filled with the things of God. Oh, hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're going to be traveling. Let's pray for them for safe travel and for the favor of God upon their lives and that they will go safely and return back safely and that God will use them to do great things.